0: Thousand. I know when we registered our group this year, I was talking to some of the guys up there a couple of days later and they said they sold out like by Wednesday of the week when they opened registration up. I think it was Friday night at midnight. Wednesday was sold out and they even added one more week to accommodate other ones. But, um, Steve comes to us from Snowbird and we welcome Steve to come talk. How's everybody doing tonight? Well, the crowd's a little smaller and a little bit quieter, but we'll let it pass. That was a beautiful job, ladies, on the singing. I'm sorry I missed the memo about the black sequit's top, but I'll try to do better next time. Okay. Now, uh, as we come together tonight, uh, just as a little bit of uh, area of review, you know, on the first session on Sunday morning, we talked about why uh, we don't, we're not motivated to witness the fact that some people ignore or misunderstand the com- commands of Jesus. We have misplaced lordship uh, in our life, and the fact that we forget the faith of the lost. Uh, and we would pray that we'd get a burden for the people, and that we would begin to witness as we go. And we had about 25 people raised up their hands, and said they wanted to be a better witness, and they would try. Okay, last night we talked about how easy and natural it is to share your faith. It's just so simple. Anybody can do it. And uh, we actually wrote out our testimonies. Just took about 15 minutes. And so now uh, we all have a copy of our testimony, and... uh, I asked if anybody would share their testimony, and nobody did. We had a great opportunity to practice, but we didn't do it. Uh, when they asked, how many people have children, boy, the hand shot up so quick. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't know y'all could do that. <laughs> I thought that, you know, I, I said, woo, but they can raise their hand. And you know what? This thing about witnessing, you're going to start raising your hand and standing up and opening your mouth too, okay? And then what you do, you open your mouth, you let Jesus come out. It's very simple. And then uh, I ask you if you would try and share your testimony. And then I gave a sneaky little way for you to tell your testimony to somebody else by asking them, If you could practice your testimony, there's a crazy man at church that was yelling at us and tell us, give our testimony. So would you please witness? So now then, after we said all that, who would like to stand up and tell me about your experience today? Not your testimony, but just what happened today when you shared what you wrote down. Okay. Now then. Okay, now then, would anybody like to stand up and share what happened when you shared your testimony today? Now, this could get to be a long service if somebody (laughs) don't stand up. Okay? Anybody? Okay, guys, I was so blessed... I've never been blessed by the sound of pencils on paper as I was last night. So many people write down their testimony. But guys, if we don't tell it, we're not doing what God called us to do. And so since nobody, uh, I'll share with you what happened when I shared my testimony, or tried to share my testimony today. And it simply is that I, I found out about uh, Stewart's breakfasts and their gravy biscuits. Okay, I found about that out about Sunday. So when they opened this morning at dawn, I was on, you know, on the step. No, but anyway, but I went over there and I got my biscuit. And uh, there was a couple sitting next to me, and they looked to be fine folks, and they were talking to each other. And and uh, so I'm, I'm saying to myself, okay. Now, you know, you know, I know they're saved, you know, but, you know, but you, you, know you, you need to ask them, you know, because they, you know, they, they might be saved. So uh, I started a conversation with them, and I started talking to them a little bit, and then come to find out that they were Christians, and uh, they were primitive Baptists, okay? Now, you know what, I didn't go into a big discussion about what I thought about primitive Baptists. And what I, how the, you know, what, I just was nice. Remember that part of your testimony about being nice, and I didn't bring up any denominational differences or any other kind of thing, and I just told them, you know, we'll have a blessed day, and, uh, and you know what? I was encouraged. I was encouraged by talking to them. And then I got, started walking out, And the lady behind the cash register, I started talking with her. And she was telling me, uh, you know, about her church and all that kind of thing. And you know what? I was encouraged by other believers that I met when I was trying to witness. And that's one of the uh, good parts about sharing your faith. Not only do you get to share with people who might not know Christ or didn't understand the message of the gospel, but you get to encourage and be encouraged by other people. Uh, we get to encourage each other. Uh, can anybody here stand a little more encouragement in your life? Raise your hand if you'd like some more encouragement. Praise God. I, amen. I knew I'd get those hands up here. Uh, Starting in, uh, we're talking about overcoming fear tonight, okay? And uh, when we think about fear, you know, we think about people who have weird fears, okay? Uh, You know, there's those things uh, that's called a phobia. And see, a phobia is a persistent and dominant fear of specific things or situations. Uh is the fear of snakes. Okay? I don't like snakes. Aerophobia is the fear of flying. Uh palactophobia is the fear of going ball. Uh Glossophobia is the fear of speaking in public. Parenthophobia is fear of your mother-in-law. <laughs> and there phobia. witness-ophobia. You're scared to show, share your faith. Okay? And that's what we're going to work on this week. We're going to we will work on getting you to overcome the fear of sharing your faith. So the first thing you need to understand is that fear is normal. It's a you know, it's very uh you know, God didn't in, uh didn't intend that fear would even be an emotion that you would have. But when Adam and Eve chose to sin in the garden, they were afraid. And that's the first time fear ever entered into the picture. God had no God had no plan for, I mean, he had the answer, but his plan was that they would never know fear. There'll be no fear in heaven. And so by our choice, we fear. By our choice, and see, so, and and you look through the Bible and all people are, have feared so many men of God, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. The father of our faith, he lied about his wife and said that she was his sister because he was was afraid his enemies would kill him to take his wife away from him. So he said, his sister, you know what happened, okay? Moses in Exodus 2.14, he says that he was afraid at the burning bush and begged God to send somebody else. Moses was afraid. It's natural that you be afraid, okay? Uh, Elijah, you know, Elijah's the one that, uh, that backed down the 400 uh, priests of, of Baal, and, you know, they built their altar and prayed for their God to come down and uh, burn the sacrifice off the altar, and they tore their clothes and cut their arms, and nothing happened. And then he poured water all over his altar and prayed and boom and God came down and I mean took the sacrifice, the, the wood to burn it and the rocks around it. And so, you know, but it says, he says there that he was afraid. Elijah, oh, yeah, he's, the, uh, he's the same one that killed 400 men and then about two days later he ran from Jezebel. One woman. Killed 400 guys and then ran from one woman. And he was afraid. <laughs> Esther was afraid to go before the king. The Bible says she is afraid. Peter who told Jesus he would never deny him and after Jesus was taken into the court. All the other disciples ran. They were afraid. But Peter at least followed at a guilty distance. But when a little girl asked him if he was one of the disciples that was Jesus, he said, no. And she asked him again. He said, no. And she asked him the third time, and he cursed and said, no. Peter was afraid. So we need to know that that if you're afraid, if you're afraid and you have fears about your witnessing, that's okay. And Paul's first, the the greatest Christian that has ever lived. People said Christ was the greatest Christian. No, Christ was Christ. But Paul, I believe, was the best, best preacher, teacher, and Christian that the world has ever known. But you know what? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 and 3, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he brought, he talked about, please pray for me for my weakness and fear and trembling. And that is when he was sharing the gospel. He wanted, he said he was afraid. And you know what? That's natural. And uh, just like preaching this this sermons this week. I mean, I, I, I'm literally afraid that I won't communicate what you need to hear. I'm afraid. And you know what? And then in, in the second Corinthians, they didn't listen to what Paul told them. In his second letter to Corinthians, he wrote that there was conflict on the inside and out of him and the church. <laughs> and he was afraid. You know what? It's natural to be afraid. But you know what? Uh, there's two things that we can do to overcome fear, okay? Uh, the first one is very simple, and it is to ask a friend to pray for you. You just ask a friend to pray for you. And uh, uh, we talked about it at dinner tonight, and I'm gonna talk about it a little more here. But you know, you aren't called to serve God alone. You are called to serve God together as a body of believers. You were called to serve together as a Sunday school class. You were called to serve together as a prayer group, and you were there, and you are there to encourage each other and strengthen each other and challenge each other to share their faith. What other thing would you want to be talking about except sharing your faith? How many times are we going to study the book of Revelations and try to figure out what day Jesus is coming back? You'll never know. You'll know he's here when he's here. And that's it. But you know what? You need to be telling people about Jesus so they get to go to heaven and not to hell. You and I, what else could you think of that you could be working on during your day except thinking about how to witness for Jesus? What's more important than that? Nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. Like I said, you have responsibilities, and you need to prioritize them. But other than that, you need to be thinking about witnessing to people. <clears throat> we need to ask a friend to pray for us. He says that I will be fearless and make known the mysteries of the gospel that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. We need to be, that's, that's uh, and he was writing this letter to Timothy in Ephesians chapter 6. You know What? The greatest Christian that ever lived, he never prayed for a job, he never prayed for a house, he never prayed for a wife, he never prayed for a chariot, the only thing he ever prayed for was boldness to share the gospel. He had many people praying for him. And you you need to think of a friend that you can go to and say, would you please pray for me and would you hold me accountable, That's that's a scary word. Would you hold me accountable that I would share my faith? We need to do that. And so we need to ask people to pray for us. But the body of believers is to encourage each other. But you know what? Uh, and if you remember back in the 40s and 50s, most of you remember that. Those that you don't remember that, uh, Somebody tell them, okay. But anyway, but you know the church was growing back in those days, and people were getting saved, and people were talking about people getting saved. And you know what? And they, you went, you remember going to sc- Sunday school, and you'd go in your Sunday school class, and you would have a list of contacts, and you would have a list of prospects, and you would have, and then you had a little envelope that you put your offering in. And you had to put on there how many people gave their offering and how many people had their Bibles and how many people said, you know, uh, studied their lesson. And then they had to write down uh, how many prospects they had contacted and how much, how many different people they'd contacted with the gospel. And you wrote that down. And they had a board on the wall. And some guy would come in before church with a handful of little numbers, and he would go up there and he would change all the numbers around. So you would know exactly what the church was doing on that particular Sunday. What they'd done the week before. That's called accountability. See, your son, uh, take your, your, your Wednesday night supper. Praise God for Wednesday night supper. Look at this. I like Wednesday night suppers. okay? I've put on 38 pounds in the last six weeks. God help me, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, uh, somebody says, well, how much do you weigh? And I said, it's none of your business. (laughs) How much I weigh, but anyway. But you know, our Wednesday night suppers, right now they're for us but they ought to be an evangelistic outreach. Every person that goes to this church needs to have three cards in their wallet that invites people. You have a free meal at the Teresa Baptist Church Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Please come, uh, call the number, uh, uh, call this number and tell them you're coming so the uh, cooks will have enough food for you. And uh, please come and join us for free. You need to be giving those out. That'll be a way to introduce people and try to find a way to work yourself to the gospel. And you need to be, we need to be inviting church. Who's going to turn down a free meal? I don't know. I wouldn't. And you know what? And when they show up, if you're the one that gave the card, you're going to put your name and address on the back, and they'll have somebody to contact church. And you, what you'll do is you'll wait for them at the, at the entrance of the church, and you'll make sure that when, if they get here and when they get here, that you'll take them back and where they won't feel uncomfortable and they'll feel real safe and nice and cozy and everything, and you can take them in there and you tell them, you know, you're just here to eat supper. You don't have to stay for the services or you don't have to do anything. We just want you to come and be with us and get to know us. And when they leave, you give them another card. That's what Wednesday should be. Now, do y'all have a something every month where the men get together and eat breakfast? Do y'all have that? You need to have that. You know why? It should, uh, it should be an evangelism event. Not just all the boys from the church getting out and eating gravy biscuits, but it's there that you could invite somebody to something that they feel comfortable in. And you know what? They could get to know the people and they might even like us and want to be like us. Whatever your women's ministry is ought to be the exact same way. But all all those things wind up being about us and not about a lost and dying world so see we need in your Sunday school class we need to be holding each other accountable are you really studying god's word and uh, now uh, let me tell you something i had i was i got saved at age uh, 25 and i was about 27 or 8 And I hired a guy that was 20 years old, and he was, I mean, he was a gopher. I mean, he had no skills whatsoever. And one day while we were having lunch, he says, what do you think about at lunchtime while we're eating our sandwich? Why don't we just, you know, study the Word of God and talk about what God wants us to do? And I went, oh, yeah, man, that sounds good. I'd love that. And so the first day, you know, he started, he read a verse and that kind of thing. He looked at me, and he's 20 years old now, and he looks at me and he says, how are things between you and Jesus? You know what my first thought is? You little young whippersnapper, what right do you have to ask me that question? How am I doing with Jesus? And you know what? I was supposed to give an answer. I was supposed to have an answer. I was starting, I need to be ready with an answer of how things are going with me and Jesus. And you know what? We if until we get to that place in the church and are holding each other accountable and encouraging each other, I do know that if you shared, you say now, I, you and I are trying to be accountable and all the kind, but. I, I got some stuff I need to tell you. And it winds up on the front page of the bulletin next Sunday. Uh, -uh. That's not what it's about. It's about praying and being concerned and helping that person with, with their problem. That young man had a great influence in my life. Ebby Taylor was his name. He didn't get married until he was 26. And uh, I did his wedding. And uh, we were standing back there ready to come in for the wedding. I said, now, you know the Bible says that you need to have children. And the Bible says you need to have a quiver full. A quiver in those days is five arrows. He said, I think about a quiver, all I do is shake. He had six kids. Guys, uh, what did Jesus do? Jesus had 12 disciples that he picked, and he poured his life into them for three years and taught them everything they needed. They were the 12 people that took the church to the world. And how were they able to do that? Because Jesus prepared them to do that. But he also had a y'all come ministry. He said, I'm preaching on the mountain and 5,000 people show up. But he had 12 that he discipled. Now what Jesus did to those 12 guys is what we're supposed to be doing with each other. Discipling each other. I've I've been a part of all kind of disciple groups. And and, you you, you do it different ways. But let me tell you something, you need to be in a group like that so that you're studying the Word of God, that you're seeing what the principles and precepts of the Word are, and then you're following those principles, okay? And uh, you know, a Sunday morning sermon, you know, a Wednesday night Bible, that's not enough to get you by. No, that is getting by. But that's not why. And not only did Jesus have a "y'all come" ministry, not only did he have a ministry of twelve, but you know there were three of those disciples that he was really close with. He's the one that he took to the mount. Those are the guys he took to the mount of transfiguration. Transfiguration. Those are the guys that he said, "Would you please stay here and pray while I pray?" And he had some tight Christian brothers, or sisters, that you know what? That they were just like this. I talked to a guy today, sitting in the parking lot out here, that the very first accountability group I was a part of, he was in it. And he lives in Atlanta, and I live in North Carolina, We talk on the phone, but let me tell you something. There's nothing, nothing I wouldn't share with him and tell him and ask him to pray about in my life. And that was 30 years ago. Do you have anybody like that? Do you trust anything like that? Accountability is what we need to strive for. Witnessing, but what will help your witnessing is your accountability. You know what? You don't need to wait for some people to come to you and ask you if you will be accountable with them. You need to be going to people and ask them if they will be accountable with you. You be the one that starts. You be the one that talks. You be the one to get it rolling. But you know, God says, but you see there where all these great men of God was free, but you know what? In my Bible, I read a whole bunch of times where it says, fear not. And can I tell you something? That confused me. You say it's natural to be afraid and yet you're telling me not to fear. How can that work? Well, if you you hear the word fear, uh, and you hear the word "afraid now i 've tried to do a Bible study on those two words and 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 distinguish if there's a difference between the two words and pretty much the the words are, have the exact same meaning okay they made fear but in the gospels in the four gospels, when it talks about the disciples being afraid, and it talks about them not fearing what it means. It's okay to be afraid. But you know what? If you let being afraid make you run from the situations, that's fear. You can be afraid to witness all you want. But you know what? If you let that fear, you let that being afraid stop you from witnessing? That's what God, he said, that's not right. That's not good. You're not trusting me. So, hey, it's, you know, it's okay to fear. Hey, we live by faith. We better fear. Is this, is this, this something we're doing to make us feel better and, and do good things for some people? No. We do this because we believe Jesus died on the cross and he's got a job for us to do. And and, and we need to be at that job doing it. So there's the thing about accountability. There's the thing about uh, understanding exactly what fear is. And uh, if you have the proper reverential fear of God, You should fear nothing else in the world. Does that make sense to you? If you you have, if God has your back and you fear him, fear his wrath, fear his judgment, but just today as I was getting ready to preach tonight, God just spoke to my heart and he says, what about the fear of letting me down? I get goosebumps right now. You know, we look through a glass dim now. And we're looking for Jesus, but we can't quite see him. We're looking for God, but we just can't see him. And we're down here by faith reading our Bibles, trying to do our very best. But you know what? We don't know the half of it. But one day, one day the Bible says that we will know him because we are like him. That means when we know him and we are like him, we will have the true mind of Christ. And you know what I believe you'll do? You'll think of every time you should have witnessed and you shouldn't. Every time. Now, your sins are forgiven. Now, you know, this is one of the thoughts that comes out of my head, okay? So it could be great or it could be real troublesome. Okay, But anyway, you know what I'm saying? But I think you're going to know, and you're going to know what you should have done to bring honor and glory to God. And when you look at him and see who he is, we're going to say, oh, what I should have done. What I should have done. And what joy would have been in my life if I had done it. Do you ever pray for the lost? Most Christians don't. There are few Christians that pray for the lost but never share the gospel. Which is more important, praying for them or witnessing to them? Both. You've got to do both. Pray that the Holy Spirit would prepare their hearts. Pray the Holy Spirit would give you words to speak. And pray and pray and pray for the opportunity to sneak your foot in the door of their life and get to peek in just a little bit and be able to give them your testimony and tell them what God has done in your life, you need to expect opposition. Uh, you know, I've got thirteen grandkids that I love to play with, and you know, and the little ones will come up and you know, right in the middle of the room with twenty people around you, and they go, "Boo!" And of course, what you do, you, ah, like you're scared to death. Are you really scared? No, because you, you're looking for it. You know what's coming. You know what I'm saying? And if you expect opposition, it won't mess with you. If you expect, and another thing too, are you, are you uh, having any problems? With opposition. You know what? People are always worried about making mistakes. You know what I say? If you're laying on the couch eating potato chip, chips, you will never make a mistake. But if you're out doing something, every once in a while things will go wrong. And you know what? If you never share your faith, you will never have any opposition. But once you start sharing your faith, you will. Now, is it like the opposition that other countries have? No. Is it opposition like if you, you share your faith, they're going to kill you? No. But do you read the book of the martyrs? Do you know that there are more Christians today putting, be putting to death for their faith than any other time in history? And we sit on our padded pews and go to church every Sunday and don't make a move to share our gospel because we don't want to offend anybody. Offend them? You're trying to see God save them. Now, they're blind like we talked about yesterday, but with a pure and clear heart, if you love them and want them to see them come to God, let me tell you something, you you don't worry about offending them. Like I said, you need to be nice. But in love, you tell them they need to be saved. There's an answer to their problems. There will be opposition. Jesus said in John 15, a servant is not greater than his master since... since, uh, they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Now, I know we're not persecuted a lot in America, nothing like in any other country, but guess what? Do you think the uh, secular media likes Christians? No! They hate us with a passion. And And they try to depict us in every kind of Angry, ornery, unloving way they can, and it, why it is they you know they don't want to hear the message. True fear of God removes all other fear, and that's when I started I started to do a study on the fear of God. And I called the Christian bookstore and I said, how many uh, books on fear of God do you have? And they said, none. Can you order me one? No, I don't see one. I'm going to work on that. And I'm going to come up with a message or some messages about proper reverential fear of God. Because if you fear him correctly, you don't have any other fear. Let's see where we are. Book of James says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. You know what? When you're thinking about witnessing, you say, well, this sounds kind of selfish. But you know, God promises in his word that if we'll do what he says, he'll reward us. The Old Testament, all it was was do this. If you do this, you'll get this. If you do this, you get this. They were working their way to the promised land. You and I are not working for, working to, working because we're already saved. We're working because we're going to heaven and we want as many people to go with us as can. Rewards. Rewards. The thing about uh, he rewards obedience more than anything else. And don't forget that we have the good news. There's a, a, a body of w- written material, memorized material. And you know what? Many world leaders have had, tried to destroy it. Many have tried to deny it. But you know what? But that, those little, those few little sentences is, hit as how, is how men and women are saved. And they call the gospel the good news because that is the only good news this world knows anything about. They may think they have other things they like, but let me tell you something. Hey, good news the divorce rate is flying. The suicide, side, suicide rate is going up. Teen pregnancies. Everything, our, our country is just falling around us. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only good news there is on this planet. And we need to be telling it. The fact that Jesus had a human birth. He lived a perfect life. He shed his blood to cover our sins in a sacrificial death. And then he rose from the dead to prove that he was God and that he was sitting on the throne next to the Father, ever interceding. If you had the cure to cancer, it just fell in your lap, and you said, well, here it is. Here's the proof. It works. Would you just keep it to yourself and say, if anybody in my family gets, but all the rest of them, I don't really, you know, I don't care. My four no more. I don't care. No, you would take that formula or whatever it was, and you would give it to the world, you would take it to the media, you would do everything you could to make sure every person on this planet never had cancer again. You know, people that die of cancer and you see what a horrible death that is. Wouldn't you do your very best to stop that from ever happening again? You know what? And praise God, I've heard some great stories this week about members of the church that have been cured from cancer. Praise God. But you know, everybody that's cured from cancer still has to die. They've still got to face judgment. They've still got to answer for their, what, what they did with King Jesus. Did you reject him or did you accept him? And you know what? What? and we need to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only good news this world knows of. Always remember the issue is not as the gospel is true. It is your obedience to Jesus' command. Luke 19.10. John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As my Father has sent me, I am sending you. Obedience. Uh, now, I know the military's changed a lot, and you guys that were in the military, these young guys that are in the military now don't know anything about the way it was. Kind of like football playing. When I played it, it's a whole lot different than it is now. And uh You know what? Uh, Back in you know in the days, they taught the the uh, soldiers to obey at once with no questions asked. And you and you know what? And they actually they actually they will tell you. Drill sergeant will tell you. My job is to break their will. My job is to break them of their, their thoughts and just learn to do what you're told. And he says, that's the only way I can keep them safe. That's the, only, that's the thing that is the most good for them is that they learn to obey. I heard a story about some guys that were going into a, a house and they thought it was occupied and... Uh, And there were three of them standing at the door and they were about to break the door down and their sergeant yelled, damn! And boy, their feet came out from under them they hit the floor just as a missile came out of that door. Why do you make your children obey? It's for their own good. Now, you know, and I've got a whole sermon on that about Children learn to obey. You know what? If you have to tell your, twice, your child twice to do something, they, you know, you've already lied to them once. And what about this one, two, three, four, five? Going to the drugstore to five-year-olds, got the whole store in an uproar, throwing tomatoes and taters and beans everywhere and screaming at their mother. We need to teach our children and our grandchildren to obey. Uh, your sweet daughter's not here tonight, is she? Good. Okay. <laughs> He's got two dogs at his house that are a year old. That's tearing everything on his place up, eating cushions, eating chairs, small children. I mean, anything, and they're just tearing up. And you know what? Those dogs are just doing what they want. Now, they will stay when you tell them not to come in, and they won't run out of the yard when the electric fence goes, and, you know, gives them a jolt. But you know what? You can teach a dog to obey, and it don't take long. You just have to make him mad and make him realize there's consequences if he don't mind. And you know what? Uh, I I don't have a dog now, and the only reason I don't have a dog, I love one, but I'm not going to have one that don't do what I want him to do. I don't want him jumping up and down on me and other people. I want him to stand by my side. And if I say jump up here, if I want him to jump up, I'll ask him to. And he'll obey me. But you know what? I don't want some mutt running around. And I've had them. I've had them that you you couldn't train. But you know what? We obey, teach people to obey for their own good. And God wants you to obey him for whose good? For your good. Based on what we've heard tonight, it boils down to an issue of obedience, and are you going to be a doer of the word or just a hearer of the word? You need to make a decision to defeat your fears. That's hard. In 1962, they did a survey let me see what time it is. They did a survey on the biggest problems in high school. 1962, you know what they were? Chewing gum and missing the trash can. That was it, 1962. That was the problem in the schools. And now we've got kids killing each other. And you know what? There's a lot we have to be afraid about, but the only thing that will conquer that fear is fearing God and getting out there and tell everybody you can about Jesus. Knowing it's God's will to witness and with God helps to start witnessing now. Don't wait to don't wait to study it out. Don't wait till I'm through preaching these messages. Don't till you read another book about it. Just say, "Dear God, help me share my faith." We said an, another way to conquer fear was to ask somebody to pray for you. Okay, so we're going to do prayer-asking practice, okay? In just a minute, I'm going to say, go ask somebody to pray for you, and you're going to go to another person in the room. It can be your friend. It can be somebody you don't know, but you're going to go to somebody, and the two of you will be standing there looking at each other like a, you know, calf looking at a new gate. You're going, what are we doing? You know, you're like that. Now, one of you has got to take the initiative and say this, I'll go first, okay? You say that, and you're the one who starts, okay? And you start, and you say, would you please pray for me that I'll start sharing my testimony and I won't be afraid? 30 seconds, just that quick. And then, when you pray, ask them to pray, then I won't, and they're they're going to pray a little prayer for you. You ask them in 30 seconds, they pray for you 30 seconds. And then after that, you're going to switch roles, and the other one's going to ask you to pray for them, and then you're going to pray for them. Don't that sound like fun? I think I'm looking at a painting. <laughs> Everybody's afraid to move. This guy's actually talking. He's asking us to talk to another member of our church. What you he think? Okay? Asking for prayer practice starts now. Go. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Deborah seems to have a foster daughter that's in New York. Uh huh. She has a blood clot in her lungs and one in her leg. And we need a lot of prayers. Yes. Well, so, let's pray for her right okay. now. What's her name? Sarah Nichols. Sarah Nichols. Mm-hmm. Father, right now we come to you. And Lord, we know that you have the power to heal. And Lord, we know that you can heal. And Father, if that's your will, Father, Lord, we need you to intercede in her life. And Lord, in her very being. Mm-hmm. And Father, help her through this situation. But Father, mainly we want her to reach out to you in this mm-hmm. time. And Father, put her faith and trust in you so healed or not, she has a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And Father, that's that's the most important thing we can pray for, is the circumstances of this event would bring her to a loving relationship with You, our God. Thank You, Lord. Thank, thank You for hearing our thank prayer. You. Amen. Thank you. thank you so much. All right. I'll thank call her tonight to see how she's doing. But right now, things are good. But thank you. Good. All right. I see people smiling out there, <laughs> smiling at me. It's amazing. Wasn't that fun? I mean, just shake it. You don't have to raise your hand now. Just go. That was was even kind of fun. You know what? That's all it takes just to get things started. You know what? And you'll get where you like praying, people praying for you and praying over you, and you'll like all that stuff, and then you'll start sharing, and people will start getting saved. And I told you the other night, that uh, What time is it? I, okay, I'm much here than last night, so I'll go ahead and tell one more story. But anyway, but new birth brings joy. If you want to see Teresa Baptist Church, you just start to seeing some sinners come down that aisle, and a member of church members got their hand, and he walks down the, they walk down to the pastor and say, this boy got saved last night. If I'm here, I promise you, I will run around this auditorium Because you know what? New birth brings joy. When I was on staff at Woodstock, uh, church was really growing. And so each staff member had one day of the week that he had hospital visitation. And there were so many people in the church. I mean, you left home about seven and you didn't get back till about seven because we had to go all over the city of Atlanta to all those hospitals and, and witness anybody, that, I mean, you know, and visit anybody that was in there and pray for them, okay? And so I had a route I would take, you know, and I'd always go get everything on the south side of town. Then I'd go down one side, south side, and come up the other side. But I made my plans to wind up. And I had to go to Scottish Rite Hospital, the Children's Hospital and Eggleston Hospital, and I'd go in there with them babies with shaved heads and pipes coming out of them. And son, I'd be so whooped I couldn't, I couldn't hardly walk. But you know what? I always made my last stop. It was Northside Hospital on the north side of 285. And that's the hospital where all the ladies came to have their babies. Both my babies were born in there. And you know, I'd be feeling bad and I'd go in that hospital and I'd find that place where where they call the nursery and all them little babies would be in there and some of their mamas would have them feeding them and everything. And man, I'd start grinning. I'd look at mama. She looked like she'd been run over by a truck. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? On her face was a big old smile. You look at dad standing there. Look what I did. (laughs) Nothing, you sucker. (laughs) You know? (laughs) But he had a big old grin on his face. And grandma and grandpa were standing outside where I was standing and they were grinning. And you know why? Because new birth brings joy. I asked you earlier, could you use a little more encouragement and joy? Start doing what we're supposed to be doing, Pastor. It's yours. You can just pray a benediction if you're fine, or whatever you feel in. Right. To, many have already been doing some of this, but maybe others is called on to. And, it, and when we think of each other in this. Start, But if you give me a place okay? Do you know that I'm not supposed to be preaching these sermons in a church that doesn't have a full-time pastor? Because evangelism is leadership-led. But I believe this guy is leading, okay? And so I'm excited that he's here. But now it's like this: usually you get a new pastor, and it is his job. To get you pumped up and going. But see what happened. If y'all will do what we're talking about this week. When he gets here. He'll just have to find a place to hold on. Cause, and even to just keep up with y'all. Amen. Amen? Amen. I like that. All right. Amen. I like that. And you know what? <laughs> I think we ought to close in a word of prayer. On that one don't you? Amen. Amen. You would stand. And uh, you know what? There may be someone in this us in prayer. And if it is, you just go ahead and lead us in prayer of the closing right now. I didn't have an